There we go. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Say No to Tyranny, Say Yes to Barbecue podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we can be found on iTunes and Spotify. Please tell your friend, and uh, we would really appreciate that. Today, we are joined by Larissa Sweet. How are you, Larissa? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Just talk a little closer to that mic, will you? Okay. Um, I am good. So, Larissa is running for state representative in District 50 which is Wabash, Huntington. And then a, one township in Miami County and one township in Wells County. You still have Wells County after one. they redistricted? Yep, Jackson what? Township. Okay. I, I thought you were completely out of Wells County, but great. Yeah. All right, that's good. So, Larissa, um, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came to run for office? All right. Well, um, I married into Wabash County about 20 years ago, and um, I smart started my own small business 12 years ago so that I would be able to stay home with my kids. Um, I started seeing the um, decline in our society, uh, the lawlessness, um, basically anti-God movement, um, became really troubled with it and uh, was praying about it and asked God what I should do. And um, I very, very clearly heard that I should, um, well, I just heard politics. And I laughed because I really knew nothing about politics. I mean, I did my due diligence of voting whenever I could, but I couldn't say that I was an educated voter. Um, but that started my quest to becoming an educated voter. Um, and so I, you know, went to the state house and I met with my state representative and I talked to my local councilman and um, just started learning, talked to activists that were interested in the things that I was interested in and, you know, the things they were defending. And um, basically it was just woke up to what was going on and what I could do. So you woke up pretty early. Now, this was 12 years ago, you said? Um, that was seven years ago. Seven years ago. So yep. a lot of people are still asleep. Yeah. A lot of people woke up in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but you seen it early. Yeah. And um, when people weren't really even paying attention. Yeah. It was about the time that... Um, you know, gay, gay marriage was passed. It was the time that um, the Planned Parenthood videos were coming out um, about, you know, selling baby body parts and acorn, you know, right? Yeah, yeah it was just it, it's disturbing. Yeah. And, you know, having kids of my own, it's like, if we don't stop this train from going down this path, there's not gonna be anything left for my kids. And yeah. so that was really the, um, the draw for me to get involved was for the sake of my kids. That is, uh, that, I think that's why I got involved and why I'm getting as involved as much as I am and why we did what we did with our business um, is because we want to see our kids and our grandkids have a life and live it freely and be able to worship freely, have the same freedoms 
and even more. Like I'm, I'm not even content with the freedoms I had growing up because right. they've been taking them away from us for years. Like I'm ready to start getting some of that back to where our kids and our grandkids even have more freedom than what we did. Absolutely. And, I think it's it's normal for parents to want their kids to have a better life than, than we did. And right. what better way than to provide them freedom and the ability to prosper in this nation? Do you think it's normal still for parents to think that way towards their kids? Um, I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope so. I don't know. I mean, when you look around at society, sometimes it's questionable, but... Um, I know the people that I surround myself with, they sure have that same, that same desire to provide good things for their kids. Yeah. And that's me too. So you started a couple small businesses I see here. Um, and I didn't want to cut you off if you had more, I know you've been involved. Uh, you, you, you are part of the Wabash County council and you have been for six years. Correct. So you got some experience when it comes to how politics work and what your duty is to rule over your constituents and doing it in a way that is good for them. Explain to my listeners, because a lot of people I've interviewed are running for office for the first time in their life, and they really never got involved in politics before. Um, Explain to me how that's been over the last six years. When you were waking up, you're seeing this. I assume you're going against the grain to some degree. And what has that been like? for you on the county council? County council, correct. Um, Over the last six years. Um, So yeah, when I got woke up, um, I thought maybe I was being called to office and I looked at state representative and um, wasn't completely uh, sure that that was the direction I was to go because I was so clueless. So um, talked to several people in the county, and um, some of them did direct me towards county council and said, we do need some good constitutional people on county council, and I think you could do well there. Um, so I started knocking on doors, and uh, it was an at-large position, which meant it was for the entire county, and literally four or five days a week, I was out knocking on doors and talking to the voters and just seeing what they were concerned about. And people were very receptive. And I can't believe how many people said, you are the first politician, which I hate that word, um, that has ever knocked on my door, you know? And so I think I, I won that race substantially, you know, out of everyone else that was on the ballot and unseated the chairman of the council wow. that had been on there for many, many years. But I think the people didn't feel heard. And so they wanted to be heard and weren't being heard. And so they voted for me. And so over the last six years, I've noticed that um, at, from the state level, they are not pro-county. They, a lot of what they um, implement at the state level comes from Indianapolis. And what is uh, pertinent in Indianapolis is not pertinent in Wabash County or Huntington County for that matter, we're very similar. Um, and they take our tax dollars and then give us a penance of what we can spend and they tell us how we can spend it and where we can spend it. And I just don't think it's right. Doesn't it seem, though, that, and it may be different in your county, 
But it seems like the councils and cities and, and counties, like, they're okay with that. They love that state dollar coming in, it seems like. They love to spend it when they get these grants and these all kinds of money from the state and from the federal government. They get all excited and they just they can't, contain, they can't yeah. contain themselves on how they can spend this money. So is Wabash County like that or do you guys look at Indiana state dollars differently on the county council? I look at it as our dollars that the state is giving back to us. Like it's my tax dollars that I paid from my paycheck. It's from my husband's paycheck. It's not just magic dollars that fall from the sky. Like these are taxpayer dollars, even grants, they're taxpayer dollars that are divvied up by other people not for our best interest in many, many cases. And there's always strings attached to Absolutely. that kind of money, isn't there? Absolutely. Give me an example of how strings are attached to some of this money that's coming into the counties from the state. So, like, they send us, um, like, federal money for, say, COVID, for instance. So when the COVID dollars started pouring in, you know, they had a list of requirements of what that money could be spent for. And you literally had to track everything. Well, then that got too cumbersome for the state. And so they're like, you know what? This is your money. Do with it what you want. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> no, it was our money to begin with. That they're now giving back to us and saying, okay, now you can spend it how you want. You yep. know, they, they sent us inmates at, from the state level, level, I think it was level five inmates that we never received before. And then they said that they would compensate us for it. Well, the compensation that they sent us doesn't compensate for what it actually costs us to house those inmates at a local jail versus sending them to a prison, you know? And yeah, it's just, it's, it's constant fingers in in local business, local economies, local everything, you know, that they really have no business being in. Yeah. Like, I really feel like government should be done from the ground up. So I feel like at the county level, we should have more power to, um, I hate to use the word power, but more influence on what our tax dollars get spent on because we know in our county what we need versus from a state or federal level where they're telling us where we have to spend our money when we don't necessarily need our money spent in that area. I've been saying this for a long time now, and that is that the state is not the county's friend when it comes to Absolutely government. Not. The state wants to take over the county. Yes. I don't think the county understands that, or if they do understand it, I don't think they really care. Because you have your county political parties and then, mm -hmm. you know, you all get together and you have your little breakfasts or your clubs. <laughs> you have your chairman, your vice chairman. You have, you know, all that stuff, the, the, the county party. And inside those county parties, you usually have a state representative and a state senator. And so they're coming to these breakfasts and these get-togethers every month. And so they're kind of intertwining with the county government and the county government are joining hands with them but in reality it seems like the state and where the, what their position is is to look out for the state not for the county do you think the county politicians understand that the state wants to grab all the power from them or do you think that they just don't care and they want access to these types of people because they have power <laughs> well it depends on where you're at um 
luckily in Wabash County, we have a lot of good council members that see, see through that. You know, we're not about access politics. We don't care whether you're a representative or a senator or a congressman. We care, what are you doing for our people? You know, are you doing your job? Are you representing the people or are you representing your own interests? And so, you know, we have pushed back against some of the things that they've tried to dole out to us, you know? So when you push back, are you doing that behind closed doors usually? Like these are meetings you're having or is it out in the public for the public to see? Um, it's, it's publicly. So yeah. the public in Wabash County is seeing the Republican Party infighting on issues from the state to the local level? Um, well, like we pushed back against the closure of small businesses, you know, I mean, we wrote something up as a council saying, we do not agree with this. This is hurting our county. We get a significant amount of money from tourism. And when you shut down all of our small businesses, when you shut down the Honeywell Center, which is a huge uh, business for our area to bring in, you know, concerts and, and even the movie theaters and all of that, when you shut down our tourism, you're like killing our economy. Yep. So the longer you keep our small businesses closed, the more you're hurting our county. And so we wrote a resolution against it. Does it have a whole lot of power vote? No, I mean, it's a resolution. They can do with it what they want, but we're at least making the statement saying, this is not okay. I remember when you guys came out with that and you, I believe you're the first county to do it. And if not, there might've been one before you, right. but you're early. And I just remember sitting back thinking, where is my councils at here in Wells County, my city council, my county council, my commissioners, you know, why won't they do something like this? When you wrote that resolution, and this was, what, you remember what month in, that was of the pandemic? I mean, I it was don't. pretty it early. It was pretty early on. I mean, yeah. I think we were shut down at that point as a restaurant. But I remember thinking, man, that'd be awesome to have our government officials, our local officials having our back and actually caring for the people and their livelihoods in this county instead of just going along to get along. And I, I, I coveted that. You writing that resolution, did that change the course of how people viewed the pandemic in Wabash County? Did like more people become emboldened to opening their businesses more regularly? Or did you see a difference with that resolution, even though it didn't have any teeth because it's a resolution? Did you see it have a difference in the county? Oh, I'd like to think so. I mean, I opened my business. Yeah. You know, I said, enough is enough. I mean, I used the time that I was shut down, which was early on, just when everything was so crazy and really nobody knew what was going on. And I used that time to redo my shop, which I hadn't done in 10 years, you know. But as soon as that shop was remodeled, I opened back up and people were still flocking to my doors. Like people were over it pretty early. You what know? was the health department like in Wabash County? Were they... Um, they, they weren't going into places that I heard of. Um, Wabash County was a bit of an anomaly, I guess. Um, kind of proud of Wabash County yeah. in the way that they kind of yeah. dealt with the situation. Um, yeah, I mean, you're always going to have those people that, you know, this is what they said, so this is what we should do. Right. But there was plenty of businesses that said, no, no, this is my business and I'm going to open. So... You know, those resolutions don't have teeth. 
But that does send a loud message to people like the health department mm -hmm. saying, oh, the city council who at some degree has power over the health department because, and I know the commissioners do more, but and maybe you guys don't have any, but you guys are the ones who dictate all the county salary, right? Mm -hmm. So would that include the health department or is that more the commissioners? Um. It's kind of a joint effort. A joint. So you I do guess. have some. Yes. You have your fingers in there. Yeah. That's sending... I mean, we're the financial governing body of the county. So right. Yes. So that sends a loud message to those kinds of people. And yeah. that's where it does count. Yeah. Since we got shut down and over the last year and a half, we have replaced two of our commissioners. Well, I should say two commissioners are new out of the three. Mm -hmm. And they have now signed resolutions. And so we're super proud of Wells County and yeah. where we have come in a year and a half. They've wrote resolutions against mandates. They've mm -hmm. wrote resolutions for the against, you know, anybody infringing on the second commandment so or the second amendment. So every thing over the last year and a half in Wells County has changed and it's changing for the better. So I just want to point that out. Yeah. Having said that you on your, when you came on your Facebook page, um, you reached out on a post and said, if your business has been affected by the governor's mandates, reach out to me. Did you get small businesses reaching out to you at all on that? Surprisingly, no. No one reached out? No, I wish they would. Okay. I was curious on how it affected small businesses and yeah um luckily we have a great um advocate downtown um and it's our um travel i'm i'm trying to think what it what do they call it um basically they handle all downtown businesses and they really worked with our downtown businesses to give them opportunities to stay open. Um, whether it be with deliveries and, um, online sales and things like that, our visitors and, uh, tourism, sorry, that's what it was. All right. Um, but they do great things for our County. And I think that really helped because they were really advocates for those businesses that were, um, you know, had to close their doors and gave them other avenues to make money while their doors were closed. And so, um, when they gave their report just last Monday at our council meeting, they said there was only one business that shut down permanently because of COVID. Wow. That's amazing. Which is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, the downtown businesses really rallied together and other small businesses for that matter, you know, it's just, it's a great community it really yeah. is. You know, they did rally around people and try to do their part to keep everybody open. Well, that sounds great. So you're in the middle of your second term of the county council yeah. and you have decided that you are going to run for higher office. Yeah. Why are you leaving the county and going towards the state? It's something I've prayed about for a long time. Um, actually, before they did the redistricting, I thought that I would be running against snow. Um, so I did not announce until after redistricting just because we know sometimes the districts get changed based on who's running. Yep. And so um, I waited until after redistricting. I'm um, pretty far south in the district, and so I could have been easily been removed. Um, so when I got put against Leonard, it was kind of, uh, I guess you can look at it as a gift. 
Um, Snow's only been in there for this is only his second year. So he doesn't have a long voting record. Um, but Leonard's been in there a long time. He's got a lot of voting record to look at. And there's a lot of things that he's done that really hasn't been for the people. So, um, but that along with that, the curse of it is, is he's been supported by the state GOP for a long time. He's got deep pockets and he's got a lot of money. Yeah. He is, um, by definition, establishment. Would that be fair to say? Very, I mean, <laughs> yeah, establishment leadership. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, not only that, your opponent, Leonard, he is single-handedly responsible for keeping the governor's mandates and his um, edicts going, his emergency power going yes. month after month after month after month. He could have stopped it. Yes. John Jacob, Kurt Nisley was writing resolutions till her hands were cramping. Yes. And he kept denying them, denying them, killing them, not letting them be heard, not doing anything with them. Why do you think Leonard would do that? Well, I'm sure that's what he's being told to do. I mean, I, it seems like right now establishment is protecting the governor. They want those federal funds. And as long as we stay in this state of emergency, the federal funds keep pouring in. But like you said earlier, money comes with strings attached. Um, so yeah, every single bill that came across his committee, he killed that would have ended the state of emergency that would have reined in the governor's power, um, that would have put the power back in the hands of the legislators of where it belongs. Um, and so, yeah, and even this year, even amendments that have cr come across in General Assembly, he has ruled them out of order or not germane or... Are you talking about John Jacob? Bill pending, yes. I mean, there's been... So yeah. there's really something interesting that went down there with that whole ordeal for... I'm sure a lot of the listeners don't even know what we're talking about. And I'm not... I, I know very little detail, but what I do know is that it was a bill on um, what Medi was medical freedom. Medical freedom. Yeah, the mandates. That, was it the ten hundred one? It was for the yes. Okay, so in so it was the big bill they're trying to pass to allow religious exemptions and things like that. And John Jacob wrote an amendment, which was. Basically saying that employers could not em force their employees to be vaccinated in order to be employed. And then it got ruled by, um, was it Houston or was it, uh, it might have been Leonard. Leonard ruled him not. Uh, bill pending. Bill pending. And then John Jacob was unaware of there being any bill pending. And nobody really knew of any bill pending. There was never a bill pending. But then all of a sudden there's a bill pending. Right. They so, made sure that there was a bill coming onto the floor that had similar language so that they could basically make his amendment null and void. So it's really a dirty trick, and I'm going to explain this a little bit better. So how this works is you can't put an amendment on a bill if there's already a bill that is pending with the same language. Okay. So if you do that, you get ruled out of order or non-germane. Is that the right verbiage? Or bill pending. Yes. Bill pending. Yes. So. And so 
when John Jacob put this amendment in there, your opponent, Dan Leonard, ruled him out of order Mm -hmm. and said because of the bill pending. But nobody knew of a bill pending. Right. And then somehow, I believe it was Tim Brown. I'm not sure. I think it was Tim Brown. Came up with the bill. Somehow that that didn't make much sense because John Jacob came up with this amendment three days before Tim Brown comes out with this bill. Correct. So there wasn't a bill pending whenever John Jacob came up with this amendment. Correct. But somehow that bill came later and then they attached John Jacob being out of order to that bill that wasn't even released yet. Correct. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's and that is a that yeah. is a dirty, dirty pol- political trick to and it, it, I mean, and it was a good amendment and it was looking it was out for Hoosiers yes and their medical sure. liberty, but yeah, again, the Republican establishment in Indianapolis for some reason doesn't want to give Hoosiers that kind of liberty. Why, in a whole, do you think that the Republican Party of Indiana at the state level? is working so hard against its constituents? That's a good question. They're the ones that put them there. I'm not sure why they're working so hard to make them so mad. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, this is this is an election year, and you would think that they would be talking to their constituents and seeing what they want, but instead they, they're just on the opposite course, it seems like, and... Uh, people are mad. They don't understand why they're not being represented. And given the opportunity to do good, they still do what's wrong. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I don't get it. And I am floored that I thought for sure that they'd go down there this session and actually do something because it's an election year. I did too. And normally that's what they do. But they're really not doing anything. No. And so, and when I say they, I mean the uh, the Republicans down at the state house. And we're all familiar that they have a supermajority in the state and the Senate at the state house. We're, we know that we have a governor who is Republican. But they are putting forth bills that on the surface may look like they're doing something. But if you look at the bill and you read the bills... They're not doing anything. No. It's a big fraud going on right now down at the state house. There's no teeth in any of them. Um, they, I saw, I was following Wood uh, CRT bill, and we were supporting John and uh, Jacob and Kurt Nisley had one that was the best. But there's also one out there by Prescott that I had some work I did on it. When I didn't do work on it, I was supporting it, and I tried to get our representatives to back it if they weren't going to back nicely and Jacob. And so they ended up saying, well, no, we're going with wood bill, but 75% of the language and Prescott bill is going to be in this bill. And we're like, well, is the teeth going to be in it? And of course the 25% that they're leaving out's the teeth. And then they add things to it. Like the two year primary rule to where you can't run for office or school board. They put in that in that bill now to where you can't run for school board unless you voted into two primaries. And that's so crazy because Indiana has open primaries. Mm -hmm. 
So Democrats can vote in Indiana Republicans' primaries. All it takes is for a Democrat to vote in two Republican primaries and they're eligible to run for a Republican office. Correct. So their excuse of, well, we just want to protect the party is a lie. Just like all these bills they're presenting are lies and they have no teeth and they have no weight to them. That right there is a lie as well. And I am starting to be convinced that the Republican Party in Indiana at the State House is okay with government overreach, um, being tyrants, as long as there's an R behind the tyrant's name. I think that's where we're at. Absolutely. They've forgotten who the platform says they are. You know, they've forgotten who they've told their constituents they are. They've forgotten their campaign promises. You know, the things they said that they stood for when they go down there, they vehemently vote against. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. You're for the Second Amendment? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm actually working on a fundraiser right now for uh, Second Amendment um, for all of my Second Second Amendment supporters. Um, hopefully, it will be on March 12th, and hoping to do a gun raffle and nice um, have some other Second Amendment things. Well, if you need any food for that, you let me know. Awesome. Yes. Barbecue is always good. All right. Sounds good. We'd be happy. <laughs> Barbecue to... and guns. You can't go wrong. Hey, you know. <laughs> Let's see here. So I'm going to try to pull up your page here. I'm on your website here. I'm looking for your, um, the things that you're going to, the things that you're for, the things that you're running on. And as I'm pulling that up, um, uh, you know, Dan Leonard, let's go back to him for a second. He's already running ads on what, what? Yeah, the radio. Is it is and I heard this like a month ago. Isn't that unusual to be running ads that early? Well, you would think so. Yeah, you would. So if you're reading between the lines on why is he running ads? What why do you think that is? Why is he running ads so early? Because he has a lot of money and he can? Because he's scared that he's gonna because he almost lost his last election. He did. He did. And yes. then he got redistrict. Yeah. And a good bulk of his winning votes have been removed from his district so yeah i think he should be worried honestly i mean not that i'm some you know great politician i don't think that's what people want i don't think people want a politician anymore i think they want somebody that's going to go down there and represent them and do what's right and they're tired of being lied to and they're tired of their freedoms being taken away and they're tired of people saying they're going to do something and then go down there and do the complete opposite you know I mean, it's not just in my county and in my district. It's across the state and probably across the United States for that matter. But I know in our state, people are mad. And, you know, there's a good chance that half of our uh, state representatives are going to be primaried by people just like me that are tired of the rhetoric that they're giving. And it's just lies. They're not doing what's right. They're good, freedom-loving people that want to go down there and make a change. And I'm impressed with the, not only there's 40, I believe, or close to it, candidates that are going to be primarying the incumbents and the Republican at the Statehouse. 
but I am really impressed on the qualifications that a lot of those candidates have. These aren't just candidates that have no chance of winning. Like these are candidates like you that you you have a record. You've been in politics now for a while. You you have a voting record in Wells, Wabash County. Yeah. People can look that up. People can see who you were. When people get into office, I think generally for the most part they want to serve and they want to serve the community. Somehow over time that flips because mm-hmm. they get taught, they get told wrong things, they start believing lies, and all. And then they become a product of the government. Yeah. How, over the last six years, have you stayed grounded and not get swept up into the GOP and the establishment? Well, I think, I mean, I've been blessed to be surrounded with, I mean, specifically other council members that are liberty-minded, constitutional-minded. Um, and so we're able to stick together, and I think that's that's a big thing. And so I think that's probably what scares them the most at the state house, is that there is a group of us that are like-minded thinkers that, say, even 10 of us get elected we can really rock the state house because if we start voting for what is right and what's good, it just shines a light on all the things that they're doing that are bad and wrong. And John Jacob and Kurt Nisley has done a great job over the last year on doing that. Um, And there's only two of them. And there's only two of them. Can you imagine when there's more of us, that's what they're scared of is, is a group of voices down there that's standing against them saying, Hey, what you're doing is not right. And we're going to make sure people know it. So when I hear you, when I sit here and I talk to you guys and I interview you, or we talk at a dinner or I talk to my neighbor, like, why don't you think that the people who are in office now have that mentality already? Like we're going to serve, we're going to be the most we're going to be the most free state there is in the United States. Like, why, why isn't this their goals? Like, our, our Hoosiers are going to be the most liberty-free um, living citizens in America, and that is our goal. We're going to we're going to rule in a way that our state is going to flourish in business and in um, religion by the freedom that they have. Why are they such against freedom? I have no idea. I, oh, I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me why any freedom-loving American, Hoosier, yeah, whatever, would not want to protect those freedoms and liberties and continue to make America and Indiana a great place to live and a prosperous nation and stop believing the lies that it's bad to start your own business and become successful and make something out of your life. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me. That's not, it's not who I am. Like, I just can't, I don't, I don't understand that that way. But you know, when somebody's been in office for a really long time and they've been written paychecks by, you know, big companies and are, supported by lobbyists that give them favors, you know, I mean, I guess some of the good people fall for it. I don't know. You know, it's not even some though. That's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's all of them. <laughs> and it's even the ones that are, them. it's not, right. 
And it's not even the ones who've been in there forever. Yeah. It's the ones who get elected and they go through a training. Yeah. I, I forget what that training's called. But if you oh, win, yeah. they're going to ask you to come to a training. Yep. And whatever they get told in that meeting, somehow it changes the uh, how the person who got elected, it, it, it makes them conform to the GOP's agenda. Mm-hmm. And they just go right along with it. Yeah. Well, they've... They have learned to play on the weaknesses of freshmen, is what they call them. And so they will appeal to those weaknesses. So whether it be threats or whether it be promises, you know, if you want to be effective, then you need to go along with what we tell you to do. You know, if you want to have bills heard, if you want to make it to leadership, you know, and so they play to the freshmen they find out what works for them to get them to do what they want and that's what they go after and so you know most of them will cave after the first time that they've been reprimanded for doing what is right yeah and you know they even admit that i've talked to some state reps who said i went out there i was on gonna go down there do what was right i was going to be an island Mm -hmm. And then I realized I can't be an island because I couldn't get anything done. So now I changed my approach. I am now pragmatic. I am now (laughs) just trying to move that football an inch at a time to my goal, which is going to take a lot longer than you're going to ever live. And we get nowhere. And that's the fight on abortion too. And all these things. But that's the, that's the problem. They, they get down there. They think they're told that they are not going to be effective. And so they've got to conform to the, the leadership's agendas and they cannot go against them. Then they can be effective. And then they think at that point, they still can bring what they intended to do along with them, but it's just going to take a really long time to do. And they say, okay, those are the cards I got dealt. Those are the cards I got to play with. I'll play them. And they start playing cards and they don't realize that they have the establishment have all the aces up their sleeves. Yeah. And that's what's happening. Yeah. So I was just looking up. I got this from a reporter and and he wanted me to respond to it. So I had uh, I had put a Facebook post out and Dan Leonard responded to it and this is what he said what was your post first what is he responding to um i just said that the voters were basically fed up with not being represented and dan responded on your facebook page he didn't respond on my facebook page he responded to the reporter who must have reached out to him then asked me for my response but i just you know loved what he said. He said, you learn from being in politics that you don't get 100% of what you want all the time. There has to be some give and take. I like to think that I'm extremely conservative. Most of my friends think I'm way on the conservative side, Leonard said. But I also understand that when you want to accomplish something, sometimes you have to make some compromises. There is a particular faction of people, I liked that, (laughs) that verbiage, that refuse to compromise. Because, you know, people shouldn't 
compromise when right. something is right and true and moral. Right. But besides that, he said, in the General Assembly, you see those people day in and day out getting absolutely nothing done. I think it is necessary to be able to sit down and talk with people, reason with people, and work to get the best solution you can. It's not always 100% of what you want, but if you can get 80% of what you want, it's a lot better than getting nothing. Yeah. And that's the problem. And I'm like, there are some things that just aren't worth compromising over, and my freedom is one of them. Yeah. Your freedom. Like, the Constitution, taking little 80% of my freedom is not enough. Yeah. You're right. 80% of my business is not enough. 80% of being able to decide where my children go to school, what vaccines are put into their bodies, what things are taught to them. Since when did the govern government become the parent of my child? I'm not okay with that. And I will not compromise on that. I mean, there's just certain things that you don't compromise on. You know how many babies are being murdered every year because of that statement right there? Absolutely. They're willing to compromise yeah. on babies' lives. I mean, yeah. it, that, that's serious stuff. Like that, that response that he just gave is the reason why we get nowhere. Absolutely. And it's not even 80%. They're oh, compromising yeah. on 75%. Yeah. And they're maybe doing 25% that they actually what we would say is the right thing to do. There's no 80% of him holding to his values or any of them. Mm-mm. And that, that, that is, that statement is wild. I know. It was I a gift. I can't believe he said it. It was a gift. And I don't, and the sad thing is, is I don't even think he realizes what he just said to his voters. I am willing to compromise your freedom Yeah, twenty percent of your freedom, I'm willing to throw away for yeah. the sake of me, of me uh-huh. getting something done. Yeah. Instead of him letting people that are good, constitutional, freedom-loving people that are putting forward great amendments that protect those rights for you and me, ruling them out of order because it doesn't fit his agenda and the agenda of the GOP. And may I add. John Jacob and Kurt Nisley did more last year in the state house than any of them did put together. And they may not have got things passed, but they exposed oh, them absolutely. to where they cannot heal from that. Yeah. The There's roll no call return. votes that they forced and made them vote on exposed so many people for what they truly are. And that's getting things done. Oh, and it terrifies them. And so for Leonard to sit here and say a faction yeah. of a few. Yeah which he's talking about John Jacob, Kurt Nisley, and possibly the people running for office right. against the incumbents, uh-huh. saying that they wouldn't get anything done. What they yeah. don't realize, or what they do realize, but they just don't find it successful, is that there was so much success down at the State House last year with John Jacob and Kurt Nisley, and there's two of them. Mm-hmm. And you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. You cannot undo it. It, it is out there. People are seeing it. More people are running for office than a long time. I don't know how many were in the Tea Party movement, but this might be the most ever. Yeah. And it's not just at the state house. I mean, it's across the board. I mean, they're running for council. They're running for commissioner. They're running for school board. They're running for precinct committee men. They're running for, you know, delegates. Like people, 
are mad and they're ready for change and they're ready to step out and, and do it. So how many, how many percentage points are you going to uh, give away for your constituents and your, your voters when you get to the state house? Zero. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I understand, I understand I've been in situations where a vote has come across and I haven't totally understood what it was and I voted wrong and I regret it. There is no such thing as 100%. There just isn't because we're human and we make mistakes. Right. But I can guarantee that if I know that it is unconstitutional or it is taking your freedom in some way, that I will vote against it. There is no compromise in that area for me. When it comes to abortion, there's no compromise for me. When it comes to the Second Amendment, there's no compromise for me because those things are what are going to be the fabric of our nation for the next generation. And if we let that go, there's nothing left for them. If we can't defend ourselves against a tyrannical government, which is on the rise, what do we have? You make a good point, and I appreciate that's where you stand, and you kind of just covered everything you're running on, and that's good because you know, I've interviewed a lot of a lot of people, and you got you know you guys are like minded, and we get, we're going to get into some of it more. That's fine, but you made a good point in the fact that uh, there are things you can compromise on. You can go down there and you can compromise if they want to. I don't know, um, do something that doesn't include the core value of the constitution and our rights, there's room to compromise on some of that stuff. Right. You know, if, if, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there are just areas where you can't compromise and to have an 80, 20 blanket of, we compromise mm -hmm. 80, 20, and that's out of his own mouth. And it's more than that. I can guarantee you it's more than that, but out of his own mouth, 80, 20, he compromises on what he knows to be true, mm -hmm. on that he knows that will do harm to his constituents, that he knows may not be constitutional or in the best interest entrance, interest of his voters, he is willing to throw away 20% of that so mm -hmm. he can get something done. That just absolutely floors my mind. I can't believe he said that. Mm -mm. I, I can't believe he admitted that. Yeah, and the fact that he will kill a bill simply because of the author yep, and or that, he will stop an amendment simply because of the author. He's not looking at the quality of the bill or the quality of the amendment and what it says and the good that's in it. He simply dismisses it based on the author. That's not okay. That's not representing that's politics and politics no longer is all right. So let me ask you this then Larissa, cause you're right. That goes on all the time. One thing I've learned just by talking to some people is that they really care about how people treat them. Like they, they're, they have a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions <laughs> Yeah, and they've got to be talked to rightly and they've got to be supported in the way that they want to be supported. And if you don't do that for me, I'm not doing that for you. And it's really <laughs> crazy how the emotions come into that. Mm -hmm. So say you get elected and we hope you do and you go down there and some legislator comes and just hurts you personally and emotionally. But that same legislator comes out with this bill that is legit mm -hmm. and that it's a good bill. Are you going to support that legislator's bill because they hurt your feeling or are you, are you, would you still support that bill even though that legislator hurt your feelings? Absolutely. 
So you're leaving it's, feelings out of it. Then. Yeah. Will I like the guy? No. <laughs> Will I be his friend? No. But if he's got a good good bill, why would I not vote for it? Right. It's right. what you do when you're right. a representative. Right. I, no, I couldn't agree more. And I can't tell the you. The good old boys club needs disbanded. <laughs> I can't tell you. I bet you five times. And that's an understatement. I've had people, and I'm not given names, but I've had people come to me and say, Matt, politicians have emotions too. They have feelings. Well, absolutely. Everybody does. You hurt their feelings (laughs) and you can't keep hurting their feelings because they're not going to help you out. They're not going to really do anything for you because of the way you make them feel. (laughs) And I'm like, are you kidding me? How do you think it feels to get your livelihood taken away? Yeah. How do you think it feels to, to, to come home to your kids and say, I don't have a job anymore. We lost our business. How do you think it feels for John Jacob and Kurt Nisley to be ostracized like they are and the way they are treated publicly, privately, kicked out of the caucus? Nobody seems to care about their feelings. No. The only feelings that matter are the other 98. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's such a joke. And every time I hear it, I want to pull my hair out. Because if you're that soft, that explains why you have no backbone. Mm -hmm. That explains why you get nothing done. Even though you think you get things accomplished, everything you get accomplished means nothing. Because babies are still being murdered. Our taxes are still going up. Mm -hmm. Our infringement on our Second Amendment is still happening. We're not getting our rights back when it comes to the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. They keep killing it in the Senate, which it looks like it's going to die there again. I mean... We're not going to sit here and beg you guys to do the right thing. We're going to replace you if you don't start doing the right thing. And that's what you're seeing right now. And this, mm-hmm. this, that's what's awesome about this movement is people are saying you're replaced. You're done. Yeah. That's, it's like a bunch of undisciplined children. <laughs> really? That's what uh, it reminds me of middle school. Yeah. Like, I mean, really it is. You know, you hurt my feelings and I'm not your friend. And so we can't play together, you know. And the thing is, is... If there's no consequences, which, you know, partially is our fault as voters that we've allowed it to get to this point. You know, like I said before, I got woke up seven years ago. I was an uneducated voter. And even for a few years after that, you know, I just voted for the name that sounded familiar. And that's how so many incumbents get reelected because they're like, oh, I know that name. And they just push the button. And so we've allowed them to become spoiled brats that no longer have consequences for their bad actions. And finally, people are waking up and saying, okay, now it's it's time for some discipline, you know, and and you're right. The five years ago, things behind the scene were out in the public like they are now, what they're doing, how they're, how, how they're governing. Mm-hmm. COVID exposed a lot. And I think a lot of people have woken up uh, from that. So having said that, we should be able to, as voters, put people in there to go represent us. But we do have, we can't be, we shouldn't have to be watchmen like we are right now. Yeah. I mean, we have businesses to run. We have families to raise. We're sending a representative to the state house to represent us and what we want and how we want to live and the laws and the the, the, the things that matter to us. Mm-hmm. And it's conservative. 
in Wells County, in Wabash County, it's conservative stuff. Mm-hmm. Our representatives go and they want to join the state in their agenda and they forget about us back here at home. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, we have to become watchmen. Mm-hmm. We have to get out and we have to go and we have to fight and we have to rein that in. And that's what you're seeing now. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the biggest things for me is I remember, you know, when the pandemic started and, um, you know, the governor declared the emergency and then it just kept going on and on. And you reach out to your state representative and they're like, you know what? Our hands are tied. We can't we can't do anything unless the governor calls us back for a special session. You know, when we're in session, then we can do something. But right now, you know, our hands are tied. The governor has the power. It's just it's the way it's set up. We can't do anything. But then when given the chance, when they were back in session, Nothing changed. Yep. Nothing changed. It was just... Nothing. Now, they brought forth bills, but the bills meant nothing. Right. That's my point. Like, it's hard to explain to just the common listener who hasn't really paid much attention or maybe now just waking up. Like, you'll see on the front page of the news banner, or in Bluffton, the newspaper. Okay. And it'll say, oh, they're working on this bill, or they got this bill passed. And you read the headline, and you're like, wow, they must have did something. Mm-hmm. But if you read the bill, they didn't do anything. No. And it seems like more times than not, it's actually taking more freedom than actually giving more freedom. Because they're making so many exceptions in the bills. You know, the title of the bill looks like, yes, it's good. And it's going to do something to help protect. But there's so many exceptions in it that it actually ends up taking more freedom than giving. And not only that, what I've learned is bills grow up. So what I mean by that... (laughs) They age like fine bourbon, all right? So they grow in the fact that that bill will be there until somebody says, comes and takes it out of Indiana code. Yeah. So that bill is going to be there. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is the next session, they may bring that bill back and they'll add amendments to it. Yep. And and then that bill becomes something that it was never even intended to be in the first place. Yep. And so bills grow up. So bad bills are bad because they get worse. And they get worse. You know? Good bills are bills that are brilliantly crafted Mm -hmm. to where they cannot get worse. Yeah. And what I'm seeing John Jacob and Kurt Nisley put out are excellent, clean bills Mm -hmm. that do not have that risk of becoming bad law in the future. Because they're constitutionally based. Right. I mean, if every if every law they passed or, you know, every bill they wrote was constitutionally based, we wouldn't be in this situation. Right. Yeah, and you wouldn't even need half these laws. No, no. <laughs> Not even three quarters don't. of them. We don't. Uh, we are, yeah, that's crazy. But the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Right. And, but unfortunately, the squeaky wheel right now is not getting the grease. They're not listening. And... Yeah. I read an article the other day that the Indiana session, the, them being in session uh, for the session, they're not going to deal with abortion in any way because they are waiting on the Supreme Court and see how they decide in June. So therefore, they're not bringing forth any bills in this session on abortion because they're going to wait on the Supreme Court and see how they rule. And my That's question, been their excuse for the last 49 years. <laughs> 
Let me ask the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I might be a little passionate about that. <laughs> so it's twofold, all right? Yes, they've been saying that for 49 years. Yeah. Okay? And and they can't do anything because of the Supreme Court. And we have talked till we are blue in the face how that's not the case. You can ignore Roe mm-hmm. because Supreme Court can't make law. It has to come through the legislative branch, which is uh, the Congress. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't go through there. No law has ever been passed saying that abortion is a right, is legal. Somebody can do it. It's never been passed. There's never been a bill federally passed that says you can do it. It's the Supreme Court who said you could do it, which is unconstitutional. Yeah. So you can ignore that just like Colorado ignores the marijuana laws, just like San Francisco ignores the illegal alien laws. Mm-hmm. I mean, sanctuary city stuff that... There's going against federal government. Yeah. But yet, they can't do that for abortion. Yeah, they say it'll cost too much money to defend it in the court system. However, they'll take these regulations and defend it all day long. I mean, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend the right of an aborted baby to have a proper burial, which is all well and good, except for the fact that that baby's still dead. Right. Do they need a proper burial? Absolutely. But if abortion was abolished, there would be no dead babies to bury. I I'm just, regulating. It's just regulation. Uh, There's still babies dying. There's been more abortions in Indiana this year than ever before mm-hmm. in a year. All the COVID babies. Yep. And I, I follow it closely. And I know that the abortion mills are just packed mm-hmm. more so than ever. The regulation isn't working. No. Their 20% compromising isn't working. And they're going to be held accountable to God for that. Mm-hmm. Because they have an opportunity to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that is to end abortion right now. You know why it's going to cost too much money? How about you take that federal money that we're getting for COVID and you put that in a escrow, I don't know. Yeah. And you spend that to fight f- for... The, the courts on when you abolish abortion. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't do that, Matt, because the federal government says we have to, this is how we have to spend that money. Oh, so now that money's not free. We're getting $500 million, mm-hmm. okay? $500 million in federal money to Indiana. And that, that's not even the whole time. I think that's from, I, I'm not sure how long of a period that is. I was talking to, a, to an elected politician of the establishment and he wanted to just end the emergency powers. And you know what? He said, I went in here, and I'm those those bullets <laughs> clanking in here. <laughs> oh. Better wait till the end for that. Oh, no. I like that sound. <laughs> I like it. So go ahead. Keep doing it. Um, so he was like, I went into this session, and we're going to end the emergency powers. We're going to take it away from the governor. And I thought in my head we probably are getting $50 million federally. And I was willing for Indiana not to get that. Mm -hmm. But when I got all the information in front of me, the number became $500 million. Mm -hmm. And I'm not willing to allow Indiana to walk away from that kind of money. And I'm thinking, you're going to sell our freedoms. Mm -hmm. You're going to allow this tyranny to continue when it's not about health in the first place. It's about federal dollars. Those federal dollars have fingers in them, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Control, and then 
you're willing for $500 million to keep this going. Mm -hmm. And that is a Republican leader in the House. Yeah. Who said this? Yeah. That's our problem. It is. That kind of thinking. Yeah. Last year, they passed the largest budget in state history. And again, Leonard went on TV and was so excited that the state had a surplus that they're willing to give $125 back to every Hoosier because they had a surplus. Well, $125. $125. Right. And the surplus was like... Three, four billion? Uh, it was billions. Right. Yeah. So where did the rest of that surplus go? Because I'm pretty sure that was my tax dollars. That was your tax dollars from our pockets that they're, again, so graciously giving us back and expect us to just fall all over them in excitement that they gave us $125 of the thousands of dollars that we paid them and the billions of surplus that they have. Like money talks at the state house. That's, I mean, that's what's happening. I, I was reading an article about that and they were interviewing the governor Holcomb and he was like, well, we want to just be patient on this, on seeing how much the refund is. We want to be responsible with this tax money. And he's talking about how we need to just kind of slow this down and maybe not give a refund yet. Just mm -hmm. see. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You took three to four billion dollars more than the budget. Yeah. And you're wanting to slow roll the refund. Right. I mean, what kind of Republicans do we have in office? We got to start asking ourselves that question. Just because they have an R behind the name doesn't mean that they are good politicians and good lawmakers. Mm -mm. And we've got to... We've really got to start doing our research. When we come to this next primary in May, there's going to be a lot of incumbents on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of primary challengers on the ballot. Mm -hmm. We need to investigate the challengers. Because if there's an incumbent on that ballot, I would say 9 out of 10 times, that's probably the right person to vote for. The incumbent or the new? Oh, I'm sorry, did I say that wrong? Yeah. The challenger. <laughs> I think I, unless I heard no, it wrong. No, I say things wrong all the time. Vote for the challenger, not the incumbent. Vote, I'm saying vote for the challenger yeah. because the challenger is probably like you. And right. Like, you have a 50-50 chance, at least with a challenger. Right. With an incumbent, you know exactly what you're getting. And if you like what you got now, then go ahead and vote for him again. I mean, when... <laughs> It's been great when I'm walking around, talking to people, knocking on doors, going into businesses, you know, and they ask me who my, you know, challenger is. And I tell them a lot of times they've never heard his name, which is common because people don't know their elected officials. So whatever, they don't know his name. And I said, if you like the Constitution, vote for me. If you don't, vote for him. Yeah. That's good because I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, that's all they're, I mean, because they're like, what do I need to know about you? I'm like, I want to protect the Constitution. So, I mean, like, if you like your freedom, then I'm your person. Yeah. But if you like the way things are going now, vote for the other guy. That's fine. Yeah. When are you going to start? I know it's like negative 20 out there today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when are you going to start your knocking on doors? Have you done any of that? Have you been talking to your constituents? Um, I've been doing businesses recently yep. just because because of the weather. It's easier. Yep. Um, but yeah, as soon as... What are people... What's your feedback you're getting? Oh my gosh, it's been tremendous. I mean, people are fired up. 
you know, like I walked just the square in Wabash, just going into the small businesses. And it took me three hours because people want to talk and they want to like vent and they want to, you know, say how upset they are and how excited they are that they now have a choice. And, you know, I had one guy write me a hundred dollar check on the spot and he's like, I read what you wrote in the newspaper. And he's like, I appreciate it. You know, because it was my response to Leonard compromising. And when I said, I, you know, he's like, I like what you have to say, you know, and people are ready for a change. It's just, and it's exciting, you know, not that I don't have a lot of work to do, man, I've got a lot of doors to knock on and I plan on doing it, you know, because that's, it's really the only way to win against an incumbent because when you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in your bank account that you can slap ads on Wowo and I mean, he's already sent mailers out in our district and he's not even our district representative yet because we've been redistricted. We're currently 18. We're not even 50 yet. You know, we won't be 50 and, but he's already sending out mailers, you know? So, and wait, let me guess those mailers. He's conservative. Uh huh. He's for small government. Uh huh. He's against abortion. Uh-huh. He's pro life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what he's else? all the good things. Yeah, and all those yeah. mailers. Yeah. And then he probably even has some uh, proof on how he's oh, yeah. ruled. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like bills he's passed and mm-hmm. authored, and that. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good yeah. guy. Yeah. And he may be. I don't know him. I don't know him from Adam. I don't he know. may be a he, nice guy, but the thing uh, is, is nice guys don't always make. Good lawmakers. You know what? It's show. I know a lot of nice guys, and I know a lot of nice guys who are bad politicians. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's the thing. We got to get over this nice guy thing. Yeah. Because you're a nice, you're a nice gal, and you're constitutional. Yeah. I'll take a nice, a nice guy over a who loves the Constitution over a nice guy who sells our liberty down to yeah. the river. You know. Yeah. And so that's what we're dealing with. And you think people are waking up? Oh, yeah. You for do? Sure. You think this is different than any other primary that you've ever been involved in? Oh, my gosh. It is ripe for the picking right now because people are just sick of it. Even, even people that aren't politically aware, they are socially aware and see what's going on and understand that now more than ever, it's more important to make wise choices when it comes to who we put in office. So it's all about getting the message out. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I want I want to give people a choice. Yeah. I want people to know that you know if they put me in there, I will do my absolute best to try to uphold the Constitution and do what's right. You oh. know, and do I know that that's going to come at a cost? Absolutely, I've been warned. I know what happens down there. Will it be easy? No. Do I think that I can completely turn the tide? No, but it's a start. You got to start somewhere. I mean, this this train has been on the track going the wrong direction for a long time now, and it's going to take some time to get it turned around. But I promise to do my part to change the direction, you know, and... We'll see what happens. But like I said, if even just a small majority, I mean, even just five of us constitutional, Second Amendment, pro-life, pro-freedom, liberty-loving people get in there, we'll expose the rest of them. Yeah. And that's what they're afraid of. Yep. And I hope that happens. So... You know, that's why we wanted to sit down and talk to you, Larissa, and we wanted to get your story out. Um, 
Is there anything that you wanted to touch on here before we wrap up and in this thing? I, we talked about protection of life. Like I know that you are, you're not the same pro-life as Dan Leonard is pro-life. And I think we maybe touched on that a little bit. When you see pro-life on Dan Leonard's little mailer mm-hmm. and you send a mailer out and you say you're pro-life, mm-hmm. those, those words mean two different things. Absolutely. And how are you going to make sure voters understand that? Are you going to just put pro-life? Like, how are you going to distinguish the pro-life that you are over the pro-life that Dan is? Because I think he's willing to compromise. And that compromise means writing bills that regulate abortion. Yeah. And that's not good enough anymore. It's never been good enough. I shouldn't even say anymore. Like, it was, it was never good enough. Like, the killing of innocent children that have no voice of their own, that need to be defended by our lawmakers, the time is 49 years ago when they should have stood up and said, you know what, we're not going to let this happen in our state. Like, the killing needs to end. Because that's what it is. And that's what I believe. I believe every living being from birth to death is a child of God and no one has the right to take that life. Yeah. Or from conception, I should say, not birth. Right. From conception. So the only answer is abolition to abolish abortion. And I hate to use that word because there is some negative connotation to that because there are abolitionists that, you know, are very vocal and sometimes obscene, you know, in how they defend abortion. Are they right? Absolutely. Are there tactics? Eh, maybe not so much. But absolutely. We yeah. should abolish abortion, just like we abolished slavery because right. it was wrong. Right. Yeah. Like there shouldn't there just shouldn't be abortion. Yep. And like every every life is valuable no matter how they're conceived. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Um so limited government. Yeah. Um like you said earlier, they make way too many laws. Yeah. I mean, when the government uh, government comes in and tells you how to do X, Y, Z, like I truly believe that the people can govern themselves better than the government. In most cases, right? You know, there's a time and a place for a law, but there is way too many, yeah, way too many. I mean, it's in everything, yeah. every aspect of our life it's is limited. being governed. Laws, there's a place for laws for sure because yeah. we're not anarchists. Right. I mean, I don't know anybody who wants to abolish the government. Right. I mean, that's not right. Uh, you know, we need government. Government's a good thing. It's limited government, though, is what's a good thing. Right. Not this large, tyrannical government that we're seeing now. That is a very bad thing. Absolutely. So the government's job is to... Punish the evildoers yeah. and to reward the uh, the uh, the people who do what's right. Right. And so, and you need laws to, to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe some roads and things like that. But it really, like, should be not just cut back a little bit. I mean, this thing needs to... Be pared down significantly. <laughs> yes. It needs to be a chainsaw yeah. to it, you know? I mean, limited, very limited. And we are so, there's so many layers. It's going to take, even if we'd get everybody elected, 
right. that we'd want to get elected. It would take years to limit the government. Yeah, I don't understand why we have to write laws that have to do with the Constitution. The Constitution should be the law. So if the Constitution says this is a right, it's a right, period. Right. Like, we don't need to add or take away from it. Like. Yeah. People interpret the Constitution differently. So then you got to make laws on what your interpretation is of mm-hmm. the Constitution. Then you get into case law. And then now case law is easy because you don't even have to figure it out yourself. All you have to do is go look at a case law. Right. And you can just take that and run with it. And it makes lawyers' jobs easy. And it makes right. judges' jobs easy. Because this is easy. how they ruled the last time. So you need to rule this way Exactly. Yeah. And that's how it works. And that's, mm-hmm. where, that's the world we live in. And that's yeah. too bad. Second Amendment. Uh, you're strong on Second Amendment issues, uh, red flag laws. What's your Stay out of my house. It's none of your business. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's set up to go after law-abiding citizens. I really don't think that it's set up to go against uh, criminals and terrorists. No. I really don't. I mean, I don't think you need that law to go after criminals no. and terrorists. If you no. see somebody breaking the law... Right. Already with guns, yeah. then you go after them. Yeah. If they're law-abiding, you know, it's kind of like laying in dormant right now a little bit that because they like put something like that in place and they leave it alone until mm-hmm. they start incrementalizing it and it starts becoming more talk and the snowball gets a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over a long period of right. time and all of a sudden, bam. Uh-huh. It's a monster. And they're that, knocking down your door. And they're knocking down your door. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, yeah. that, that's the red flag law in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. That's because what that's about. I posted a picture of me shooting a gun at a firing range. And I have my 17-year-old daughter there teaching her how to shoot her firearm. And I'm now a bad mother because I put a gun in a child's hand. You know, that's the... You know, someone sees that and says... Hey, I think my neighbor, she might be up to no good. She might, you know. Yeah. And then they come and knock down my door because they got a call. Well, they had to investigate. Yeah. Yeah, no. My constitutional. (laughs) Yeah. Your Second Amendment right is not going to be compromised. You're not going to compromise anything on that you're not going to co- so you on here you got conservative core values you got individual liberty yep second amendment limited government protecting life yeah one four things yep. those four things are zero percent compromised compromised yeah what if john jacob kurt nisley lose nobody else gets put into office and you're the only one there have you put yourself in that position yet i cry <laughs> Pray, pray about uh, that. Yeah. You know, you got to prepare oh, yourself for that too. But I don't, I don't believe that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I don't either. I don't but. believe it's going to happen. I believe that, that there will be an army that's going to be sent there because I believe there's been an army called up and this is, it's beyond me. It's beyond the people that are running for office. I mean, it's coming from higher than any of us, because I can yep. guarantee if God hadn't told me to do this, I wouldn't be walking this road because it's not something that I ever aspired to do. I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to spend time at the state house. That's right. not, I mean, it's never been an aspiration of mine. I don't, I don't care to seek higher office. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do and somebody's got to do it. Yep. And they're the people that are down there aren't doing it. Yep. 
I, uh, you know, my goal is, is to just help out you guys who are running for office to just have another tool in your tool bag. So we talked about a lot of things and, you know, I know you could go maybe get interviews somewhere else, but if you can use this for your constituents, when you go knock on doors, you know, you can say, check out this podcast. You know, this, it'll tell you everything about me. If somebody's in a hurry and can't talk, just, you know, whatever you, however you can use this, use it to your advantage, use it for, as a tool in your tool bag. Um, we really want to see people like you get elected and go down to the state house. And so I wish you the best. Thank you. Um, Thank you for your opportunity. Absolutely. And we, um, let me know where I can support you at. If I can do anything as far as your fundraisers go, we'd be happy to do that. So Thank you so much, Larissa, for joining me today. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll chat soon. All right. God bless America. God bless America.